0: Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Good morning everyone, my name's Carl, I'm the pastor at the church here, it's great to be with you here today, thanks for joining us. We're really now on the run into Christmas aren't we, it's just a few days away until we get there. Big thanks to the Cowley family for the enormous Christmas tree up the back, it is Helping me to feel a little festive today, but it's looking a little bit sad um, with its very few decorations on at the moment. Uh, If you'd like to come back this afternoon, as Mike mentioned, at 2pm, you can help us uh, brighten up the Christmas tree a little bit. That's going to go outside on the lawn next to the stage for tomorrow evening uh, to help us celebrate Christmas together. I hope you've got the next few days well planned out. Uh, I would love to encourage you to come back tomorrow afternoon for our carol's night. Bring your picnic blanket and your chairs and your food and that sort of stuff. Uh, It'll be a great chance tomorrow night also to introduce your friends and family to who we are and what we're like as a church and also a chance to introduce them to the good news of Christmas, Jesus, God's greatest gift of all. I wonder what it is that you like most about Christmas Maybe it's all about unwrapping gifts in your household. Perhaps it's gorging on the Christmas ham that you like best. Maybe it's visiting relatives or family and friends that you haven't seen for a number of months. Maybe Christmas is all about the post-Christmas sales for you. Or perhaps you're hanging out for Boxing Day movies. In 1997, when I was in year 11... I went with my dad to watch the latest blockbuster movie. I don't think it was actually on Boxing Day, but it was the must-see movie of the day. It starred George Clooney and Nicole Kidman. The plot involved a Russian terrorist, a stolen nuclear warhead, and chaos that was likely to happen in New York City. George and Nicole were the peacemakers They were called in to save the day, and they did that, ironically, I think, with much help from the US military and the violence that came with that. I wonder if you've seen the movie, The Peacemakers. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, we read this, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, I'm not sure that Jesus had George Clooney or Nicole Kidman in mind when he wrote the Sermon on the Mount, but by including peacemaking in the list of Beatitudes, it seems that Jesus really does care deeply about peacemaking. Making peace, it seems, is an important part of being a disciple of Jesus. For me, this particular verse kind of sticks out in the list of the Beatitudes because peacemaking, it seems to be quite an active thing, doesn't it? You know, some of the other Beatitudes seem to be about our attitude. But this one sticks out because it's not just about our personality. It's not just a personality trait. But peacemaking is an active thing. It's hard to make peace, isn't it, while you're watching TV or sleeping in your bed? To be effective, a peacemaker needs to be active in the world. I wonder this morning if you consider yourself active or in the duty of peacemaking. Let me remind you of where we've come so far in the Beatitudes. Um, I listened to William Taylor speak on the Beatitudes this week and I found uh, this idea of the progression in the Beatitudes that William uh, was speaking of very helpful. William talks about a progression that builds with us seeing that Jesus reminding his disciples at the start that we must depend on him entirely. So he must recognize at the start of the Beatitudes our own spiritual bankruptcy. We must recognize our own sinfulness and mourn that. Then we see that we must hunger and thirst for God. We must live for Him. Living a life in conformity to His will. And then finally we get towards the end of the Beatitudes and we see that having done those things, we're also called to be active in the world. We're called to be peacemakers. I hope you find that progression in the Beatitudes also helpful. Well, we had a kids talk on what a peacemaker might look like and I wonder what you think a peacemaker exactly is this morning. What do you think Jesus means when he speaks of peacemakers? You know, I've got this image in my head of when I was a school kid. I used to play rugby and sometimes on the rugby field things got a little bit heated. Um, some of the players began to be a bit rougher with each other than maybe they should. And at some point in the game, the peacemaker steps in. You know, they hold one player on one side and one on the other. They say certain things um, like, it's just a game, keep it clean lads, let the scoreboard do the talking, those sorts of things. You've probably seen a similar sort of thing on the TV as you've watched professional sport. When you think of peacemakers, who do you think of? Do you think of George and Nicole in the blockbuster movie? Perhaps you think of the Secretary of the United Nations, someone like Kofi Annan or Ban Ki Moon. Or maybe you think of a Nobel Peace Prize winner. I racked my brain this week. I could not for the life of me think of one Nobel Peace Prize winner by name. Maybe you think of someone like that. Or perhaps when you think of a peacemaker, you think of a couples therapist. I don't know what it is. For you? What is a peacemaker for you? In a way, all these people do go about bringing peace. But are these the sorts of peacemakers that Jesus has in mind when he speaks on the Sermon on the Mount? You might ask, what other sort of peace is there that can be brought? Well, I wonder if predominantly what Jesus is saying here is he's thinking of those people who bring peace between people and God peace between people and God today i want to suggest to you that uh, the peace that jesus is talking about on the sermon on the mount has two aspects a vertical direction that's peace between people and god and a horizontal action peace between each other between people vertical peace between us and god horizontal peace between people over the last few weeks i've been trying to show you how central Isaiah is to the context of the Sermon on the Mount. And I think that's happening here in this uh, passage about peacemakers as well. I'd love you to come in your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 52. You might remember looking at this chapter together when we studied Isaiah a few months ago. Isaiah chapter 52, it's on page 1146 of your Bibles. And I'm going to read just from verse, just verse 7 of Isaiah chapter 52. It's a pretty famous verse. You've probably heard bits of it before. This is what Isaiah chapter 52 verse 7 says. It says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, Your God reigns. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Literally, who bring the gospel. This is what this passage is saying. Those who bring the good news about Jesus. Those who bring good news about peace with God. Here's what I want you to really remember today. The gospel is the good news story. It is the story of how God works in the world to bring about our peace with him. So Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker and as his disciples we're encouraged to be peacemakers also. Bringing the good news of peace with God, proclaiming salvation wherever we go. This is perhaps no clearer than any, anywhere in the Bible than in Ephesians chapter 2. So I know I've already asked you to flick back to Isaiah, but I'd love you to come this morning to, with me to Ephesians chapter 2 as well. It's on page 1816 of your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12 on page 1816 of your Bibles. And here Paul is speaking about uh, what it's like to follow Jesus. He's speaking about what we were once like before we did that. This is what Paul says. He says, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, before we believed, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near... By the blood of Christ. See, here's the great act of peacemaking. We who were once far away have been brought near. How? By the blood of Christ. See, here's the great peacemaker at work. Jesus bringing peace through his blood. In Colossians, Paul puts it this way. I've got the verse on the screen to stop you having to flick again. In Colossians, Paul puts it this way. He says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your own minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you. How does he do that? By Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. See, this is the great act of peacemaking that Jesus achieves for us. This is the good news of salvation. This is the proclamation of peace. That God's suffering servant that we read about in Isaiah is the peacemaker. That through his body, broken on the cross, we who were once aliens from God have now been brought near. In Isaiah we read, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring that message that message of peace. We're, we're a new church, and in a sense you could say we're still finding our feet as a church. I hope that in years to come, we will be seen to be a church filled with people with beautiful feet as we bring that message of peace to Unley and to the rest of Adelaide. And I want to thank you publicly for your work in doing that this year. I've been so encouraged by the many visitors that you've brought to come Uh, join us here at church for the people who have come to our baptism services for those who have come to our easter events to our nailed event that we ran in the middle of the year and for those who just come along on sunday morning services people here have heard the gospel and they've believed i want to say a big thank you for the part you've played in that and for those of you who have taken risks and invited close friends or family thank you for doing that Thank you for having beautiful feet. Thank you for bringing the good news of peace to your friends. I thought about encouraging you this morning to uh, take off your shoes and to get out your beautiful feet. But I've learned um, that not everyone thinks of feet as beautiful, even if they are kind of metaphorically. So I'm not going to ask you to do that right now. But when you get home this afternoon and you slip off your feet, uh, off your shoes, sorry. (laughs) Hopefully you don't slip off your feet. I want you to remember... Uh, this, This verse from Isaiah, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I hope you're encouraged by the many visitors that have come and joined us this year and heard the great news about Jesus. It is possible, peace with God, despite our alienation from him, despite our blemishes. It's possible through the physical death of Jesus, the great peacemaker on the cross. And in our Beatitude, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who bring the gospel of peace. So that's vertical peace, peace between us and God. But I don't think that's the only view of peace that Jesus is speaking of here in the Beatitudes. I think Jesus is probably also trying to capture the idea of horizontal aspects of peacemaking see having been made right with god our vertical peace in order we can then attend to making peace between each other that certainly seems to be the logical flow of progression in the passage in ephesians we looked at i'm going to keep reading that uh, reading on from that passage in ephesians just to give you the context here at this point in the church when this letter was written there was significant you might call it friction between the jews and the Gentiles who made up this church in Ephesus. So I want to read on from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. This is what Paul says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, that's the two groups, the Jews and the Gentiles, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. It's a great passage in the Bible, isn't it? just to get our heads around it, we need to remember this friction, this tension between the Jews and the Gentiles in the early church. See, before Jesus, before the cross, Gentiles were excluded from the temple. But can you see here that Jesus is bringing peace? The dividing wall of hostility has been destroyed. I don't know what your political views on walls are, but the other day I saw a a very brief news clip And it was showing the construction of a wall somewhere in the world. My heart kind of sank at the speed that this wall was going up. It was being made so quickly. I would have thought the thing the world leads is less walls, not more. I realize the politics is complicated sometimes. But isn't it great when we're able to celebrate a wall coming down when they're no longer needed? My grandfather's no longer with us, but uh, he grew up in Holland in the Second World War. He was just a young teenager during the time of the war. But being in Holland in the Second World War, he was touched by that war in a way that many of us never have been. I remember when I was a younger kid, seeing on his mantelpiece a fragment of concrete. It was a piece of the Berlin Wall. I'm not sure how he got it, but he received it when the Berlin Wall was torn down it was special for him having grown up in the second world war see in berlin there was a physical wall of hostility that separated the east from the west and you can see the photo of it on the screen behind that wall was a symbol wasn't it of the hostility between the superpowers in the world at the time i wonder if there are walls of hostility in your life today walls of hostility in your relationships with different people. I want to encourage you this morning, in Jesus, through the peace that he brings, it's possible for those dividing walls of hostility in our lives to be taken down. And Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. At least in part, this beatitude reflects that Horizontal action, I think, that as disciples of Jesus, we would seek to bring peace with the people who we interact with. I wonder if there are opportunities in your life to evangelize, to bring the good news of Jesus, our peace with God to people, or perhaps knowing that peace yourself, there are opportunities to remove the dividing wall of hostility in your life as well great thing to work on over the christmas break isn't it so christmas is one of those times where the pressure of the occasion often leads to hostility where the excitement and the hype and the energy of the occasion might open up old rifts this christmas wouldn't it be a great thing to be working on tearing down the dividing walls of hostility within families or within relationships building on peace. I think this is part of what Jesus says when he says, blessed are the peacemakers. And here's the reason to do it. For they will be called children of God. Well, I want to move on because uh, the Beatitudes are not just about peacemaking. I'm going to move on to the next few verses which says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. As a church, we've just finished looking through the uh, first letter of Peter's. So we're pretty familiar with the idea of what persecution looks like for us today. But I want you to see here that the issue is big enough that Jesus includes it in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Beatitudes. I wonder, have you been insulted recently? I wonder how it made you feel. You feel blessed because of that? I doubt it. But here Jesus is helping us to see that insults suffered for Him or because of Him result in a great reward in the age to come. And that's why those who are persecuted are blessed. I want to say a few things about this here. The blessing is a result of suffering for the sake of Jesus, either for righteousness or for Jesus directly. Jesus is not saying that you're blessed when you're insulted for being a difficult person to get along with. He's not saying that you'll necessarily be blessed when you're persecuted for behaving terribly. That insult for wearing a daggy jumper or for having a terrible haircut or for wearing check shorts and a check shirt. Yeah, they've all happened to me, that's right. We're not necessarily blessed because of those insults. This is not a command to seek insult or persecution through stupidity or being a, a socially awkward engineer. No. The blessing is for persecution because of your love and your allegiance to Jesus. Secondly, I just want to make the point that I think we need to be ready for persecution when it comes. We've got much to give thanks to for God, I think, for the fact that in our lifetimes and in this part of the world, we've been spared much of the persecution that might come for the sake of our righteousness. Do you think that'll change? I think it might in the course of some of our lives. Australian values are shifting and changing they're not so much based on the beatitudes as they once were it's therefore likely that in years to come we will face increasing persecution for our allegiance to jesus that's into that climate that i want to remind you of the words from chapter 6 of the sermon on the mount chapter 6 verse 8 jesus says and he's speaking about the babbling pagans in prayer he says don't be like them don't be like them John Stott, who was a pastor in the UK, sees this verse as being crucial to the whole of the Sermon on the Mount. He sees the whole sermon as a way in which Jesus' followers are to be set apart and distinguished from the rest of the world. Don't be like the others. Don't conform to their pattern. When that pattern differs from what God would have or want from us. Be different. Instead, be characterized as having pure hearts, as seeking after righteousness. Will that be difficult? Will it be costly? I think most of us know implicitly that following in the footsteps of Jesus is neither easy nor free. It might mean that we're insulted. It might mean that we become poor financially. It might mean that we spend more time mourning. It might mean that we put others' desires continually ahead of our own. This morning, I just want to remind you of the worth in doing that. It's worth the cost, because the kingdom of heaven awaits. It's worth the cost. Today, we've seen a great encouragement to bring the good news of peace to this part of Adelaide. Our peacemaking methods, I hope, are going to be a little different from... George Clooney and Nicole Kidman but unlike the movies we have a real story and a real message of salvation I think it's so important that the people around us know this piece it's a great reason to invite people to come and join us either tomorrow or uh, tomorrow evening or on Christmas morning As we finish our time in the Beatitudes, I want to end this morning by praying a blessing that comes from the book of Numbers. It's a blessing that asks that God's peace would be upon us. I'm going to pray this prayer, uh, this blessing as a prayer for us this morning. These are the words. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.